The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie and the Onions. And a special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 16 A Nice, Friendly Game of Hopscotch Luca! Eurysti heard in a sing-songy southern drawl. He grabbed his bag and checked his guns. His holster held two, one on each side of his hip. He took a new revolver he had stolen the week before and shoved it down his pants. He grabbed his musket and his hunting knife. Luca Bella! He heard again, this time in a kind of chant. There was more than one person out there. The voices were coming from the front of the tent, so Eurysti decided to cut a hole in the back with his knife and slip out. He tried to make the incision in the canvas quietly, but as he stepped through, he felt the boot across his head. His vision went spiraled, and his body hit the ground. The pain flashed through him. He took a deep breath, trying to fight passing out, sure that if he passed out, he would never survive. Hands grabbed him by the arms and drug him around to the front of the tent. They pulled the guns from his holsters and the knife from his hand. He had dropped his musket in the tent. He was surrounded. There were six of them. Five men who had been in the unit since the beginning, and Stephen, sheepishly cowering behind them. Well, 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 what do we have here? Luca, is it? You wanted to pretend to be a soldier for a while? Did the commander sneak in his own little toy? You know, said the largest of the men, leaning in to get a better look at Eurysthe. He had picked up Eurysthe's head with his hand. You should always share your toys. It's just the gentlemanly thing to do. He pulled his hand back and slapped him across the face. My name is Luke, Eurysthe said on his hands and knees before them. His vision had cleared. He counted their numbers again, judging their strength. The man before him had one of his guns and a flintlock pistol in his belt. The man next to him had the other gun and his knife that he had dropped. The others surrounding him seemed unarmed, but Luke couldn't be sure. Stephen seemed to be trying to back away slowly. He appeared to be unarmed as well. I am not... Luca Bella, I am not a girl, and I'm nobody's toy. But if you'd like to play a game, I'll play. How about hopscotch? That's not what your boyfriend tells us. He said he's in love with you. That you were the girl who lived down from him when he grew up. I am not a girl. Prove it. You want to see my dick? Fine. Here's my dick, motherfucker. He reached down into his pants and pulled out the gun he had hidden there. Eurysthe leapt forward at the biggest of them and tackled him. He grabbed his shirt with one hand and jammed the gun into his jaw with the other. He fired at point-blank range. As they fell, the man's head exploded. One! Eurysthe yelled at the man. In the moment of surprise, Eurysthe took the opportunity to shoot three bullets into the chest of the man, who held the other pistol. The gun was small and only had four rounds. Two! Eurysthe spat at him, dropping the now-empty gun. 
The other men regained their composure and charged after him, grabbing him by the shirt. But before they could lift him, he grabbed one of his other guns off the first man he had killed. This gun had six shots in it. The two men had grabbed him, one on his right and one on his left, each holding on to him by the armpits. As they tried to pick him up, Eurycity used the gun to shoot point-blank into the knee of the man on his right. The soldier howled in pain as the three of them fell into a pile. Eurycity shoved the gun into the soft belly of the man to his left. As he lay on top of him, he fired two shots into his belly and up into his heart. Three, said Eurycity, as the other man tried to crawl out from under the two of them, bleeding from a shattered knee. Eurycity picked himself up enough to turn and shoot the man in the back of the head. Four, Eurycity said, now sandwiched between the two men. Stephen began to run, but the fifth man had reached Eurystice's other stolen gun and had taken it from the second man who had fell. Eurystice heard the shots being fired quickly. He pulled the dead man who lay on top of him over him like a blanket. He felt the beat of the bullets as they hit the corpse and prayed they wouldn't pass through to him. Quickly, all six shots exploded, and then the click of the empty chamber. Eurystice pushed the dead man off of him and pulled himself up. Kneeling in the dirt and covered in blood, Eurystice watched as the fifth man panicked. Eurystice fired two shots into his chest, and the soldier fell back, gasping for breath. Eurystice picked up his knife from the dirt where it had fallen, and he shoved it into the man's heart. Five, he said quietly. He turned and ran after Stephen. Eurystice caught up with him, tackling him from behind with his shoulder. Stephen lost his balance and slid into the dirt. He turned and looked up at Eurycity. Luca, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to tell them. I was just telling them about this girl. I knew, and they figured it out. I'm sorry. I didn't know what they would do. How many times do I have to tell you? That's not my name. You don't know me, Eurycity said as Stephen tried to crawl backwards. Eurycity walked forward, one bullet left in his gun. It's okay. We're alone. It's just me. I'm really sorry. Look, it's true. I do love you. I was planning to marry you when we got back, when this war was all over. I want you to be my wife. I will never be anyone's wife. I'm not a girl. Don't you get it? You have the wrong guy. I am not Luca Bella. Luca, please. Do I have to shoot you to get you to shut up? Why can't you see the truth? I will never be Luca Bella. You will always be Luca Bella to me. I love you, and I know the girl you're supposed to be. Fine. Six, he said, as if it had been a math problem with not a single emotion behind it, and walked away, leaving Stephen's body in the dirt. The alarm bell was ringing, and Eurycity had just noticed it. It was a warning to the camp that they were under attack. Eurycity knew the camp was not under attack. It was just him. He ran back to his tent, grabbed the bag that he had dropped, and his musket, leaving behind everything else in front of the tent, so as not to be seen. Eurystice's father woke up to his second-in-command holding a gun and sitting across from him in his tent.
What the fuck do you think you're doing? The commander asked. How long do you think it would take for us to notice? And what are you talking about? That little strumpet you snuck into camp, dressed her up and enlisted her. That's an awful loyal whore you've got there. We probably would have figured it out earlier if it wasn't that she made a pretty decent soldier. You leave her alone. She is none of your business. I am not interested in your prostitute. There is something more important. Advancement. This little dalliance of yours has left the other men questioning you. They no longer have faith in your command. And so, if I act now, no one will wonder what happened to you if you should just disappear tonight. You and that little strumpet of yours. They will assume you ran off together. What have you done? My men are taking care of her now, and I am going to take care of you. You can't leave these men. You don't have the resolve. If you did, you would have already killed me, not woken me up to chit-chat. That's where you're wrong. I have all the time now. You don't. In the distance, they heard a gunshot. Well, looks like she chose to fight back. That will be her dead now. Then they heard another three shots. Eurystice's father smiled. What are you smiling at? I have a question for you. They heard another shot, and before the father could speak again, there were two more. How many shots does it take to kill one girl? They heard another, and then six shots in rapid succession. It was quiet for a moment, and then two more. So far, I've counted sixteen shots, but I may have missed some. Tell me, how many men did you send for her? Eurystice's father began to laugh. You never considered you might be wrong? What if she wasn't a prostitute? What if she was the best damn soldier in this goddamn army? You've seen her fight. How many men did she take out? How many times has she been the deciding factor in battle? The alarm began ringing outside. Neither man got up to move to find out who was attacking. The gun shook in the soldier's hand. He began to think he had made a mistake. It doesn't matter. You're still going to die. He raised the gun to Eurystice's father's head. When a bullet fired into the tent, passed through the soldier's head, and out the other side, the gun fell from his hand and his body fell to the floor. Eurystice entered the tent, his musket still smoking, his face cut from where the boot had hit him. His uniform, and just about everything else, was covered in blood. Sir, you okay? Eurystice's father sat up from his bed. Did you just... Shoot at the silhouette on my tent. Yes, sir. How did you know that wasn't me? 50-50 chance? You took a 50-50 chance that you wouldn't shoot me in the head? Well, also, why would you be pointing a gun at someone in your own tent? Lots of reasons. I guess, Eurystice shrugged. Never mind. What happened? What did you do? Can't you keep a secret? I'm sorry, it was the messenger. He knew me when I was younger. He told everybody. I didn't. I never let anybody know. I'm sorry. It's okay. Did you get them all? I think so. Then stay here. Hide out. I'll clean things up. Sir, I can't stay. I'm leaving. You'll do nothing of the sort. I'll pretend there was an attack. We will clean this up. I'm not safe here. I don't want to stay. I'm not expecting you to come with me. 
I'm sorry, sir. I have to go. I'm packed. I'm going to take Stephen's horse. We can't just leave. We'll be deserters. Deserters? From what? This is all nonsense. What are we doing here? We're defending our home. What home? What we're doing here is we're helping these assholes. The same assholes that just tried to kill me. They have no regard for anyone's life, and they're making me like them. I don't want to be that kind of man. I don't want to be a killer. I'm leaving. I'm going west. Eurystheus' father looked at the man at his feet, and then into the face of his son, covered in blood. All right. Prepare two horses. I'm going with you. Sir, don't question me. Just obey a fucking order for once. We're leaving. Thank you. Eurystheus slipped out of the tent and quickly moved to where they kept the horses. He untethered his father's horse and Stephen's. It still had the messenger bags on it. He slipped his mother's Bible into it, along with some spare powder and shot. Inside the messenger bag at the bottom, there was a box. He opened it. He found the nightdress he had given Stephen years ago. He pulled it out, looked at it for a second, then threw it in the dirt. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, read by Paris Lee. Artwork by me, Helen Lee. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of my artwork and Paris's writing at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. This podcast was made with the love and support of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. Thank you.